Well, good morning. As we uh, look at today's uh, passage in, in Scripture, um, I want you to think about those of you who are maybe you've, you're already married and, uh, or you're maybe in the situation where you're planning um, a wedding. I want you to think about who and how hard it was to figure out who to invite as your main lineup, best man, groomsman. And you, you re- recognize that as you go through that, in your mind, you think, who has influenced me? Who's kind of the, the main people in our lives? And uh, how have they impacted me? And who do I want to have stand up for me? And as you're thinking about that, then I also want you to think about this. What if, and you could pick your favorite person, but what if something, someone who is very, very, very important, famous, was coming to Sheridan. How would they be greeted? How would, if you were, if you were in, the, in charge of the welcoming committee, how would you plan that? Who would be there right in the front, the front lines as, they, as they, they come into our little town of Sheridan? And then as you're thinking through that, you're probably thinking, well, it probably should be some, someone pretty important, right? You should have maybe um, a mayor or Maybe people from the city council. We have a couple of people who have been in the city council. Some of those people who, who are more important necessarily in, in the world of kind of politics. And, and then you realize that, wow, Sheridan has had that happen at one point in time in the, in the past. I don't know how many of you have been here long enough, but there was a very famous person. I won't say important, but famous person who came here. Who was that? Yeah, Queen Elizabeth. How many of you actually raise your hand if you were here when that happened? Okay, was it a big deal? Pretty big deal, wasn't it? Queen Elizabeth. Not that all of you are Queen Elizabeth fans, but you recognize Queen Elizabeth doesn't show up on every doorstep in Wyoming or any other state, and yet she is uh, obviously someone who would be esteemed highly. We look at today's passage. I want you to think as we're going through this message, can you find your story in the Christmas story that we're going to be looking at? And as we look at the Christmas story, I want you to, to just kind of recognize that there are, there are lower stories of our lives, and God has an upper story. And God is completing that upper story using the lower stories of each of our lives. God used the story of Abraham his lower story of a man who was entrusted to, to be the father of faith. And he used, uh, he used a, a lady named Rahab, and her lower, lower story played into the big upper story of God. And God is accomplishing his, his upper story through a bunch of us completing our lower stories. Can you find your lower story? Can you identify with the Christmas story in the terms of the characters that are there. And so as we look at this, we're going to be looking at a famous passage. It is uh, pre- uh, predictably out of Luke 2. So this time of the year, that gets a lot of mileage. And as we look at this, this one, we recognize that there's a story of humility and, uh, and also a welcoming committee that's there. And I was and I kind of was working on Aaron this, this Friday because Aaron's in our Friday morning Bible study. We had a great great discussion, and afterwards kind of had a little visit about it, and, 
And uh, he was, if you don't know, Aaron has like two sides to him. He really does. He, on the night, during the night, he is something totally different than than he is during the day. During the day, you might see him at the park. You might see him taking care of the facilities. You might see him shoveling snow. But at night, he puts on his Batman cape, which has stripes on it, and they're black and white. And he turns into a mean, lean fighting machine because he becomes a referee. Now, referees are what? Are they liked or unliked? Have you ever really had an affinity towards a referee? Like, man, I really just like that guy. Or is it more often that you don't like that guy? Humble circumstances to be a referee. Because you're never going to please what? Everybody. And so you see this humility, and boy, does he portray humility. Just, wow, the willingness to do that and, and re- realizing that he's going to go out there and the next night, the next night, the next night. It's unlikely and, and, and really just kind of amazing that God would do things the way he did them. Think about how, the, how you have all kinds of possibilities as God, as how you're, gonna, how you're going to present what you've been waiting for for all eternity past to humankind. You have all these possibilities, all this power, all of the resources available to you to announce what's coming. And you choose to do it through a referee or someone like that who is important but maybe not to the world. So as we read this uh, the, uh, passage in Luke 2, recognize that we are talking about the very people who, who are on the outskirts of town. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts with the angel, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor Rest. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So just a little bit of a break and I want you to, to recognize that this is a really break, big break. And nothing that I say about shepherds here, from here on out is going to, to communicate what we're going to have you do. But I want Mitch and Corey, and if you're a shepherd, Ben, if you're a shepherd, I want you to, to stand up. And that means if you're a leader of a small group or if you're, uh, if you're a couple leading a small group. So, Sarah, you've got to get rid of the coffee, unfortunately. Stand up, please. And I want you guys to acknowledge that they are shepherds among you. They lead in and out uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, whatever day it is, they're there. And so um, we want to acknowledge them with a round of applause right now. And thank you for what you do because shepherds are super important. Because shepherds take care of what? 
the flock, the sheep. And as we recognize we're all sheep, that's a very important thing. So we, uh, we see in this passage a very com- big contrast to, to the men and women who are shepherding you. And, and we're, it's really true that we are a shepherd, whether we're in a position of maybe leading a group, we're shepherding someone. And I see people out there who have little ones sitting right beside them, and they are what? They are shepherding their lives, aren't they? So you parents, you are shepherds in that sense that uh, you have that responsibility given to you. God ordained. He gave you those children to take care of and to raise in that way. So if you were going to plan a big inaugural welcoming party for someone, who would you have there? And I've already asked you to maybe identify some people who would be really important to have there. It would show honor to the person coming in. You might, you might have the governor from the state of Wyoming or wherever. You might have a senator or two, or you might even have, in, in Jesus' day, you might have some scribes there. You might have the Sanhedrin. You may have some Pharisees and Sadducees there even because they kind of represent the what? Yeah, the, the important people of the community and, and the culture. And so as we look at this, this passage, we see something very, very different. As Corey was pointing out on, my, on Friday morning, Jesus does things, God does things that are very different than the, what we would predict ourselves. Like we sometimes like predictable. Have you ever watched a Hallmark movie? Okay, most of you, okay, half of us have. The other half of us <laughs> probably went out to the garage. So they're, they're very what? Predictable, aren't they? And you kind of know what's going to happen. And as Corey was discussing this Friday morning, man, Jesus does and God does some very unpredictable things. He does some things that you would never expect. And as you look at the life of Jesus, you see that borne out. And as you see the, the, whole, the whole upper story, you see things that God does that you would go, why did he use a woman named Rahab? That is a big mystery. Why Rahab? Because God isn't predictable, and we can't put him in a box. And so the surprise that no one could have predicted is, is really, really an important thing for us to just think about and realize that God does things a different way. Well, there was a shepherd who was looking after a sheep one day on, a, on the side of a deserted road, and when suddenly a brand new Porsche screeches to a halt. The driver, who is a, a man dressed in an Armani suit, Rockport shoes, Oakley sunglasses, a Rolex watch, and a Versace tie gets out and asks the shepherd, if I can tell you how many sheep you have, will you give me one of them? The telltale sign when I can't pronounce the word is that I never have worn one of those things before. (laughs) (laughs) Or bought one either, and probably won't. The shepherd looks at the young man and then looks at the large flock of grazing sheep and replies, oh, no, oh, sorry, off. He said, if I can tell you how many sheep you have, will you give me one of them? So the man screeches to a halt in his Porsche, comes out, and he says, hey, if I can tell you how many sheep you have, will you give me one of them? Well, what would you do if you were a shepherd who was bored uh, in the middle of nowhere, and you thought, man, here's some action here, kind of a betting man in some ways. The shepherd looks at the young man and then looks at the large flock of grazing sheep and replies, okay, kind of game on. The young man parks his, parks his car to the side, connects his laptop to his mobile, enters the NASA Webster, scans the ground using his GPS, opens a database with 60 Excel tables filled with logarithms, logarithms and pivot tables, 
and then prints out a 150-page report on his high-tech mini printer. He turns to the shepherd and says, you have exactly 1,586 sheep. Astonished and surprised, the shepherd replies, that's correct. You can have your sheep. The young man takes an animal, puts it in the back of his Porsche. Just imagine that. Takes an animal, puts it in the back of his Porsche. Okay, he may be smart at tech stuff, but probably not the best idea, okay? The young, or so just as the man is about to drive off, the shepherd asks him, if I guess your profession, will you return my animal to me? The young man answers, yes, why not? What has he got to lose? The shepherd says, you are an IT consultant. How did you know? Asked the young man. Very simple, answers the shepherd. Firstly, you came here without being called. Secondly, you charged me a fee to tell me something I already knew. And thirdly, you don't understand anything about my business. And as he paused, he said, now please can I have my dog back? I would like to close in prayer right now, but we've got things to do. Okay, okay. So why did God choose shepherds to be his welcoming committee? Oh, wow, Luke 2, 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And you realize these guys are outcasts by the very nature of what they do. Uh, I, I didn't live as much as like them, but being 25 miles from anywhere, sometimes I got a pinch, just a pinch of what a shepherd would be, would be like. But it was so much worse for them. They were seriously outcasts. And so why did God choose them to be his welcoming committee when he could have chose governors and senators? He could have had the Pharisees and all lined up. He could have had the high priest there. But he didn't. He chose them, and you have to ask the question why, because if you don't, you miss a very important part of the message of Luke 2, which we talk about a lot. They were, shepherds were ridiculed. They were considered insignificant. They had a lot of things that they had to overcome. First of all, most of them were uneducated. A lot of them were considered thieves and liars. Their, their, their actual testimony was not admissible in, in, in the legal system they could never attend uh, the temple on Saturday because they're out doing the shepherding thing that they were doing. And because of that, because they were ceremonial unclean, they never, they never attended anything that would really actually give them some credibility. So they were definitely the lowest socioeconomic status that you can imagine of today. So you pick your person who you think that that is, that's who, the, that's who they were. And that's who God had his, his welcoming committee. So as we read on, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, whenever you see an angel showing up in the Bible, what happens when the angel shows up to the people who are around that, per that angel? They are terrified. They are scared. You could look at all of this, the, the occurrences of an angel showing up, whether it was to Mary or Zechariah. You see they are scared. In this case, it's probably Gabriel who also appeared to Mary, and you realize that Boy, this, this appearing of, of an angel in the middle of the night to shepherds had to be an amazing thing. Just the appearance of the, of the angel itself would have scared them to death. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, 
the Lord. That last verse is important because it talks about basically Jesus' uh, his role, which was Savior, and, as, and also as a Messiah, and his sovereignness, which was the Lord. And so they're, they're getting the message that the, the, the person who is a Savior, who they've been looking forward to, and who was also uh, in control of the whole world, was born just today in Bethlehem. And that would be a hard pill to swallow. That would be a very difficult pill to swallow. So as we look at this, we recognize that people are, these, these, uh, these shepherds are given a very difficult message to even just kind of, to, to really believe. And it's really important as we look at uh, the message here in, in Luke 2, that there is a sign that is given. Now, when, if someone told you, told you, I want you to go and I want you to welcome someone who's coming in or who is already here, the first question you would ask is what? Well, there's a couple questions. Who are they? Where are they? And what? What do they look like, right? What do they look like? Like, who is this person? Like, what am I supposed to do? Have you ever tried to meet up with someone and you've not necessarily seen them before? I'll be wearing the what? You say, I'll be wearing the yellow coat or something distinguishing about them, right? And as we see this, what exactly what, what, the, what the angel does is gives these shepherds a little bit of a, a piece of that as, as they're there. And so suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his, his favor rests. And what they say is, is that this, this baby will be in a what? Not in a crib, not in a nursery, in a what? And that's how you'll know them. Not a yellow coat, not the person who is uh, maybe holding some kind of a sign or something as, 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 as you're trying to identify them. They will be in a manger. And so the, the uh, shepherds are challenged to go find someone in Bethlehem, which they were told the location, general location. And then from there, they had to figure out where it was from there that they had to go. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, city of David, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so as we see, we see the, the uh, shepherds, they hear the message and they have this amazing interaction with an angel, and the glory of the Lord is surrounding them, uh, much like in Acts 9 when Paul had this amazing uh, interaction with Jesus, and everything was very bright and shiny, and, and Paul got the idea, hey, you know what? I'm dealing with God himself. Shepherds knew they were dealing with God. And as scary as that must, must have been, they had a choice. Those shepherds could do a couple different things. Option one, two, and three you could fill in the blanks. They chose the first option, which was to obey God and to do what the shepherds told them to do. Now, if you're the lowest of the social economic status of people and you're coming into Bethlehem and you're saying, oh yeah, an angel told me that there's going to be the savior of the world that's going to be here. Does that bother you in any way? It's like telling someone, I know what's going to happen Whatever, two years from now. Or I, 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 have, I have knowledge that you have no, no understanding. They were not even, their, their testimony wasn't even admissible in court. They couldn't say anything to anyone and would be believed. And yet God said, you are the ones who are going to go tell everyone about what this amazing thing is that happened in Bethlehem. They were obedient. They, they, they got the message and they shared the message. 
And what is the message of uh, them sending, sending it via a manger? Why would God put his child, his very special child, who he knew from eternity, who he loved so dearly, into a manger? Why did he do it? It's important. Uh, who said the Sam? Oh, Jacob. Jacob. To reach the lowest people. Is that true? Absolutely, isn't it? If it would have been in some gold and diamond thing, it might have been like, okay, this is for the rich people, or this is for the most important people. But the manger speaks of something that is really important. It reaches the lowest people, but it also tells us something about God himself. He was willing to do what? Be humble. He was willing to put on the stripes and to be considered the least of the least so that he could reach the what? Anyone anyone, to all. The message is to all. And then you go, wow, God did everything just the way he would do it and not the way we would do it. Why the manger? It has meaning. Why swaddled? There's some things there we're not going to have time to get into, but that's really important about picking the perfect lamb and how they used to swaddle the perfect lamb. And right outside of Bethlehem, these shepherds, as the babies, these baby lambs were born, they were in they were actually, they were in charge of making sure these animals never ha ever had a blemish. And so they would swaddle them, much like we did baby calves that had a tough time birthing. Sometimes we'd even throw them in the bathtub. But basically, they were in charge of these things, these animals, because that was their job. And they would understand that. They would understand those things. That's something inherent inside of them because that's what they do. And the good news about Jesus is meant to be shared when they had seen him, they spread the word, even though their word was not credible in themselves concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Hey, there is a baby born. He is Messiah. He is, he is the one we've been waiting for for all, all eternity, or at least since God has revealed to him that a Messiah would show up. You too can be in the story of Christmas. I would even say this, if you have received Jesus, yet to all who received him, to the, those who believe in his name, became children of God, if you have done that, you are a part of this Christmas story. Because you are fulfilling out that Christmas story right now. Your lower story plays into God's upper story. And if the shepherds wouldn't have went, their, their story would have been a lot less significant. So their obedience and their willingness to be a part of God's work was very, very important, and so is mine, and so is yours. And the question today is, how humble are you willing to put on the referee shirt and just say, you know what, I'm a Christian, and, and because of that, I have this hope inside of me, and because of that, I receive Jesus in a very, very humble way. And if you have never received Jesus, and I hope there are people here who've never received Jesus, because if that ever stops, that means that we're no longer relevant to people, and that we're not welcoming and warm, and we have been, as a church body, so welcoming to people who have come in wanting to know a little bit more about Jesus, but not wanting to get it shoved down their throat necessarily, and so humility goes a long, long ways when that is what God is doing, and if you have never, if you have never received Jesus, I encourage you to consider that you just admit that you're a sinner 
that you believe that Jesus did die on the cross for your sins as your, as your substitute and that you would commit to following him and choose to, to live as he would want you to choose, not perfectly, but to follow him and allow him to change you as he works in you and his Holy Spirit. It becomes an active part of your life. Question, how can you be gospel and joy spreaders as you welcome in Jesus' birthday celebration? And the answer is, one of the answers is already there. When someone comes in our doors on December 24th for the very first time or comes into church this morning for the very first time, what's the most important thing they need to know? They're welcome. And that we, we, we receive them and we want them to be there. And I, the thing I would be most concerned with is if someone left and, and felt like, man, they just didn't want to have anything to do with me. I, because obviously as God presents himself in a manger, humble as he could be, he also wants us to take that same thing and that, that spirit of humility and extend ourselves to other people. And so everyone deserves, and this is, a, this is something that a pastor out of Billings had shared with one of our people who comes to church with us. Uh, everyone deserves a look. That's the least we can do eye contact, and just see each other. Everyone, not just new people, everyone. A smile, maybe a kind word, and maybe a touch as we get to know them. And how far that goes, especially in this season. Do you know what I'm saying? Especially in this season. When aloneness and some, just, the, the, just the pressures and things that are going on, Boy, we can be Jesus to so many people just by the way we interact with them so simply in that way. And God wants us to be joy spreaders in that way. He wants us to be really his hands and his feet. I want you to know that you matter to God. You were made in his image. You are an image bearer of him. Whether you know him or not, you are an image bearer of him. And he wants to know you. And not just in the, for the first time in a relationship to come to know him through Jesus, but also as, as we mature, he wants to know us more. And we matter to him. Our lives matter to him. He loves us that much. Can you see your story in the Christmas story? Maybe you're Mary. Mary's role as she was part of the welcoming committee. Boy, tell me about a part of a welcoming committee. Here's this teenage woman who is, is an angel comes to her and says, hey, it's okay. I know this is strange. There's a lot of strange things going on. You don't understand this. And she willingly just submits her life and her plans. Can you imagine the plans that she would have? She was planning a, a big wedding. It was going to be a public thing. It was going to be beautiful, right? All, don't all you women have that in your mind, even when you're little girls, right? It's true. And she's planning that in her head, and all of a sudden, she turns up pregnant. And everything goes away, and the angel appears to her and says, you know what, I got this. And she's like, I hope you do, because my life is about to change very drastically. And then you have her willingness submission to what God would do, and let it be as you will. And then there's Joseph, and he's confused. This guy is super confused. We would all be confused, right? And he's like, man, the public wedding is off, right? But an angel shows to him, not, not only that, but the whole marriage is off. And an angel shows him that, you know what? This is, I got this. And maybe you've been confused. And maybe you've thought that your life has been derailed by some plans that haven't come true. Have you ever considered that that may be a part of 
God's plan? That God has got something better for you than the plan that you had in mind when you thought, ah, we're going to get married and we're going we're to do this and do that. And yet we're talking about them 2,000 years later. Pretty good plan God had. Or maybe you're a shepherd. You're shepherding your family or you're shepherding some people at work or maybe you're shepherding even a group here, a small group of some sort. Or maybe you're thinking about doing that and realizing that God has a plan for you too. But the reality of us today is that we see God's goodness as he shows us that he came as a humble baby in a manger to reach every one of us no matter where we are. And we can't sin too much. We can't have too bad of a past. Nothing that we ever have done would disqualify us from welcoming the Savior and showing up for his arrival. And as we celebrate Christmas Eve, recognizing that's what God wants for us is to just come humbly and just to receive him. Have you told anyone this week the good news about your Jesus? And then who will you invite? Here's your challenge. Okay, always take away. So you read God's words. What does it say? You, you think about what does this mean? And then you say, how does it apply to my, wor- my, my, my world and my life? That's how we always look at Scripture. What does it say? What does it mean? How does this apply? And here's an application I'm just going to throw your way and you see if it fits. Who will you invite? Who are you thinking of right now that would come to a Christmas Eve service and or church any Sunday and you've been kind of wanting to do it but you just haven't really maybe found the time or, or really come to the point where you're like, I'm just going to do it and just leave the results to God. Start praying about it and leave the results to God. I'm going to challenge you in that way. So let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word in Luke 2. Help us to just to recognize us in the story of your son as we look towards this Christmas season and, and really just allowing ourselves to accept the gift that he has given us, this free gift of eternal life through your son who you predestined from the beginnings of everything to come and to come really in a very markedly different way than we would send him, that he would come in a manger to reach even the the lowest of the lowest, which is who we are, as we recognize that we are sinners and we are in need of your grace. We ask that you bless us and that we would bless those around us, that we would be that we be the mouthpieces of your glory as we go about our week and as we proclaim what you've done in our lives. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.